Get Up Nation. My name is Ben Biddick. I am the creator and host of the Get Up Nation podcast, where I serve individuals, organizations, and societies to develop and sustain resilience and perseverance. I'm the co-author of Get Up, The Art of Perseverance with former Major League Baseball player and CEO of Rurong Living, Adam Greenberg. The Get Up Nation podcast is brought to you in partnership with GotYour6Coffee.com, where Navy veteran Eric Hadley is committed to serving first responders, veterans, and their families through a variety of nonprofit organizations. No stranger to adversity, Eric has fused necessity of coffee with his passion for public service. You're already purchasing coffee. Why not empower your coffee with purpose? Why not purchase coffee that not only has your six, but also has the backs of those who don a uniform of service for our communities and great country? Learn more about Eric and his freshly roasted award-winning coffee at gotyoursixcoffee.com. Welcome to this episode of the Get Up Nation podcast. Recently, I had the honor and privilege of speaking with Ellen Meredith. Ellen has been practicing as an energy healer, conscious channel, and medical intuitive since 1984. She's the author of New World Libraries, The Language Your Body Speaks, Self-Healing with Energy Medicine. I've been looking forward to speaking with Ellen about her book and how her insights into energy can help Get Up Nation be more healthy and more resilient. Ellen, welcome to Get Up Nation. Thank you, Ben. I'm really happy to be here. That's great to have you here. Ellen, first off, will you share where you currently live and work? Yes, I am in San Rafael, California, which is not far from San Francisco. And I generally, I work all over the world. I, I often work from home. I have lots of clients that I work with at a distance. So I'm a, I also teach and train energy medicine folks. So Wow, excellent. Will you describe what you mean by energy and how it is the language the body uses to communicate with itself? Absolutely. So energy, when we think of it in, ter- in scientific terms, we think of plus minus signaling, electrons and neutrons and all that stuff. But the energy that, that forms the body, that fuels the body and organizes our operations, it's sometimes called subtle energy. It's, it's the motive force. It's that thing that makes you and me alive and a chair not so alive. And so the body has two different communication systems built in. And one of them people are very familiar with, the chemical communications of the body. That's what a lot of Western medicine uses, right? right. But underlying that chemistry is a constant exchange of energetic communications. Mm. So that's the energy I'm talking about, is the energy that makes us up, that fuels us, and also that organizes things for us. Mm. All right. And in your book, The Language the Body Speaks, you describe a web of meaning and lead the reader on a meditation where we tune into our body, our talking self, our wiser self, and life force energy. Will you share the significance of these concepts and how they play an interactive role with the world we inhabit? Well, absolutely. I don't think that energy is neutral. I believe we have this instrument that perceives meaning in things. When you look at a sunset, it's not just light filtering into your eyes, it brings significance. And that significance is very individual to you or me or someone else. So each experience hits our receptive self and it feeds what I, I call the web of meaning, the, the energies that interact within us. You know, I, it's hard to picture this solid thing like an arm is really energy. Hmm. But if you see it as a web of interacting forces, that each have significance, then as we create a self, as we create a life, as we develop our perceptions, even from infancy, we are weaving a web of meaning mm. 
that gives our life purpose. And so when I do that meditation in the book, it's to pull you, the reader, out of the sense of yourself as a bag of chemicals that's just all these biological processes and say, no, if you step back and look at yourself as this constructed web of meaning, each of us is this gloriously different weave of different strands of meaning, some that have been given to us from our family and our heritage, some that we pulled in maybe from the soul level, and many that we have woven in through our life experiences. And so part of self-healing is being able to work on that web of meaning and maybe improve it. If you've got a lot of big holes in your web of meaning, life is going to fall through the cracks, right? And, And that happens for a lot of people that they have an experience and they don't have a way to truly receive it and take it in and live it because their web of meaning has gotten damaged or maybe wasn't constructed as as solidly or strongly as it, it needed to be. I see. You describe the total immersion process of learning a language in the book. You describe how young children learn a language by both comprehending and expressing. Similarly, you describe the process of learning the language of energy occurring in two ways, deepening our ability to perceive subtle energies but also to develop our ability to communicate using subtle energies. Will you go into how a person can start to learn this language? Absolutely. So in the book, I really start with how children learn language. And we are the same, you know, even though we're remembering, it is our original language. Young children speak energy before they, they learn English. For example, a young child can tell whether her mom is upset or feeling good. Right. She can tell if there's some danger in the air. I mean, she, you know, we have the same instincts that, that creatures have, but we lose track of them as we overlay a lot of socialization. Nice. So to getting started learning the language of energy, I do a whole lot of exercises or explorations or not really exercises in just tuning into what's happening here. If, if I were to look in my stomach, what color is it now? And what color does it want to be? I don't believe that we need special psychic senses to speak the language of energy. I believe it's, it's the inbuilt language. It's built into the body. So it is a matter of training the brain to recognize how the body is communicating to, to us. So if my stomach starts to ache, that's a message. If I trip and fall when I was walking fine and I suddenly trip, That is a communication from my energy systems trying to get my attention. Mm -hmm. And at a very subtle level, it might be a little twitch. It might be a little sensation. It might be an image in your mind. It might be a color. So part of it is learning to just tune in and recognize what the language is. And then if you want to speak energy, you know, if you say to your body, okay, lose weight, what your body hears is I'm mad at you and I hate you, Uh not I love you and I'd like you to be more comfortable, Mm -hmm. right? Right, but right. if we can if we can tell the body with gesture, with image, with sound, with color, with the parts of vocabulary or parts of speech that the body actually uses to communicate with itself, it knows what we want and need. Hmm. So, you know, it, it's very intuitive and we all know how to do it, but we don't know that we know how to do it. Ah, I see. And once you open that gateway, then it can become very empowering because then based on what you're saying, it feels like that, well, we can take a certain action. You know, we don't necessarily need to go to a doctor and wait in line for, you know, and then it gives us some ability to take action on our own to a certain degree. 
Absolutely, to a large degree, because the body's chemistry actually follows the energies. And we are so schooled in this, in this society to think of ourselves in medical terms and think, I haven't been trained in medicine, so I can't do anything. I don't know anything. I can't figure anything out. And right. as you say, we wait to go to the doctor. We wait in line. We pay a whole lot of money. And then right. we're told there's nothing medically wrong with you. And then where are we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Or we're told there is something medically wrong and our only option is, is a pharmaceutical that has all kinds of side effects. Right. So if we can start in a very vital way to communicate with ourselves moment by moment, the mm -hmm. body doesn't think in terms of what's wrong and how do I fix it. Mm -hmm. It thinks in terms of what do I need and how can that be supplied. I see. So if all day long, instead of saying, what's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong, and trying to pathologize all of our experience, yeah. we go to what's needed in this moment and how can I supply it? How can I cultivate it? If I can't supply it, how can I call it in or look for it or, or at least open the door to it? What it really shifts how we feel, our sense of agency, our sense of being able to live our life to deal with things that come up. You know, you talk a lot, a lot about resilience on your website. Yeah. And what makes someone resilient is an instrument that knows that it can play the music it's supposed to play. Mm -hmm. Basically, resilience is an instrument that we know how to work, right? Mm -hmm. If I'm confident that I can pick up my trumpet and play it, yep. then I'm very strong. But if the last 10 times I picked up my trumpet to play it, right. you know, it was full of phlegm and nothing <laughs> came out. <laughs> Yeah. Then I'm not confident and that makes me less resilient. So right. it is what I'm talking about in the book is a practice of self dialogue of uh, and it's not just self dialogue of energy dialogue because we can do it with ourselves, we can do it with other people that weaves wellness, that weaves well-being and good health and when there is an illness that addresses what the energetic underpinnings of that illness are so that the, it activates the body's natural ability to heal. I see. That's spectacular. I love hearing more about this. Would you explain what you mean when you say sensations are communications? Absolutely. The vocabulary of the language of energy, we have an instrument that is designed to perceive and it hears and it feels and it sees and it knows directly and it tastes and it smells. It also perceives a shift in pattern you know, when something's out of the ordinary, our attention is drawn to it. Yeah. It also has a certain kind of radar. Like when you walk through a crowd and you don't hit anyone, it's not because your eyes are spectacular. It's because you're using your radar. We have these senses and that's the baseline equipment that we have for perceiving energies. It's not, like I said, it's not some great psychic gift out there. Everyone has it built in. And if you're missing one of your senses, the others are stronger. If you're blind, you're, usually your hearing is stronger or your sense of touch is stronger. So when I say sensation is a message, energy communicates using all the sensations, all, all the body's tools for taking in energy and interpreting it or encoding meaning. Mm, wow. I was reading in the book how, you know, in the West, we frequently think that there's only five senses. Other cultures have a much different take on that. And so that's something where we could really become awakened to realities that maybe go beyond what we're used to or, or comfortable with to begin to explore something exciting. 
Right. It's true. And, uh, you know, when someone says, I don't know if I really healed myself or was it just my imagination? And I always laugh because I think, wow, you know, that's like a, a violinist saying, I don't know if I was playing Mozart it was, or it was just my Stradivarius. <laughs> I mean, it, you know, the imagination is so much part of the equipment that we have for perceiving reality and giving it form so that we can understand it. I really believe that we can expand our senses and also every literal sense, like your literal eyes, they bring in an image and then the brain interprets it. Your ears, they bring in vibration and the brain or the mind, the whole body interprets it, right? right. So we need to train that brain, that mind to interpret a broader spectrum of inputs or to interpret more in tune with who you are or who I am with our unique instrument because we get socialized to kind of filter out everything that our society has decided it doesn't believe in. Yeah. And, you know, then we don't get to assess reality in terms of, a, in our own terms, even as young infants, you know, you, you have an image and you see something and mom says, oh no, there's nobody there, honey. That's just your imagination. Mm -hmm. And we really learn to only see over time what society wants us to see. And that's problematic for many reasons, as you can imagine. Yeah, <laughs> it's easily manipulated and, you know. So absolutely, part of the process of learning any language is not just being workaday in it, but to be able to speak poetry, to be able to really, you know, if I want to really use language with you and really make a connection, I have to get past one and two word sentences. Right. You know, right. because yeah. you... I want to express the nuance of my experience and I want to hear the nuance of your experience. I want to really know how you are unique and individual and different. And so the better my vocabulary is, right. the better we can do that. Right. Oh, that's excellent. It just opens up the gate to interacting with others in a much more profound way. I really like that concept of, you know, what blows me away is I'm alive and I'm aware of it. That's yeah. spectacular. And that's, you know, in this present moment, it's the only thing that we have, the present. And now we can relate to each other. If there's more than five senses, what a much rounder and more deep and profound experience we have. Right, right. And we can deepen our five senses. I mean, in addition to what my eyes see physically or visually, I can shut my eyes and picture my mother who's yeah. many, many miles away. I have inner sight. I have inner hearing. I have inner feel and touch and taste and smell. And we can also use those parts of those senses. They are built in. They're there. I mean, yeah. you don't doubt when I say, can you picture your mother? Yeah. You probably can. Yeah, It's right, not right. some weird woo-woo thing, right? Yeah, right? But we don't use it with any kind of purpose to say, well, if I can picture someone at a distance, I can tune into my mom and see how she's doing. And I can validate and verify that by calling mom if she's still alive and see how right. she is. True. But on the other side, we cut ourselves off from a lot, a lot of the instrument that, that we're gifted with just in the five senses. And then, as you say, there's some extra ones that really make life even richer. Yeah, absolutely. You describe how energy can be locked in us and show up as chronic health issues. You describe this by calling it locking the cabinet of wonders. Will you share a little bit more about this? 
Well, that's an exercise I teach in the book, and it's rooted in a concept that I call energy unity. In a lot of healing traditions, especially energy healing traditions like acupressure or acupuncture or yoga or whatever, often they speak to a specific energy stream. Like in, in acupuncture, they're working on a specific meridian of energy. That's, that's a specific energy function. But an energy unity is something that moves our energy as a whole, okay? So if you're feeling terrible and the phone rings and you pick it up and it's your best friend from forever, Mm-hmm. Your energy shifts. That person is yeah. an energy unity that totally shifts everything. It shifts your gallbladder energy. It shifts your kidney energy. It shifts your heart energy, right? It, yeah. it moves lots of different things at once. So this exercise I have called opening the cabinets of wonders is that sometimes we get too shut down. We get buttoned down. We feel threatened. We feel like we have to behave. You know, we wear too many business suits and we we start to behave like the, the uniform. Whatever it is, we get shut down. And so you can use an exercise that's an energy unity to open it. Imagine you've got some cabinet. So let's take your head and it's yep. in a big cabinet. It's locked down. Uh-huh. And you're just feeling shut in and uninspired. Imagine your head's in a cabinet. Reach okay. around, unlock it. I use kind of like the locks in a hotel room that are kind of the hasp. But sure. you can also turn a key and unlock it that way. So you're going to okay. unlock it. You go yeah. inside. Uh-huh. Try this with me. If you're not driving anyone, try this with me. You're going to put your hands up on the inside of the cabinet doors. Okay. You're going to breathe in. And on the exhale... You're going to push the doors open. And what this does is it speaks to all the energies in your head that might be clogged to tell them to open. Just like on your computer, when you want to uninstall a program, you call up all the files and you hit uninstall. You don't have to do them file by file. You're, you're communicating using energy medicine, which is in this sense a gesture and an intention and an image to shift the state from locked and closed to unlocked and open. So you could do the same in your heart area. If your heart feels all shut down and and clogged, again, you can reach around, unlock the cabinet, go inside the doors, breathe in. And on the exhale, just push those doors open. So that's good too. And you can do it in your, if you're having digestive. Now it seems obvious that this would affect the emotions, right? But this kind of exercise can actually affect the physiological functions as well. So think about the cabinet that your gut sits in, your your intestine, people who have a lot of intestinal issues. If they kind of tune in, they've probably got a pretty locked cabinet down there. So again, they can unlock the cabinet, go inside it, you know, with their hands down over their intestines, breathe in and gently and slowly and with intention, open those doors up. And what it does is it codes your energy communications to release what doesn't need to be there and to let in new influences that can be helpful. So it's not a magic pill for everything. It's just one of dozens and dozens of techniques I've suggested in the book, but it's a concept of using an energy unity. I wanted to ask the the power of visualization. How can we use that to become healthier? You kind of just described it, it sounds like. To a certain degree. Yes, but I want to make a, make a comment about it. I think visualization can be very powerful. And, and there are some people who are master visualizers. 
What I find with most people, though, and I'm one of them, is that often my brain and my body are not connected enough so that when I visualize, my body gets the memo. It's like my mind has this beautiful idea and it's this little head on a stick, right? My body's down there going, hey, Ellen, Ellen, pay attention. It's like years and years of being up here in my head and it's like, nah, <laughs> you know, no, there's not a, enough of a communication. So I really like bringing the body into the, into the visualization by using gesture, by using a an actual image. You know, if I am imagining that I'm thirsty and I want to bring water to every part of my being, I could shut my eyes and imagine drinking water or I can get water and I can hold it and I can take a little in my mouth and I can feel it and I can feel it going down. That is a 10, that's way more powerful of a communication. And even if I have like a teaspoon of water, I am communicating that energy to my whole system with intention. So you can add visualization to gesture or action and you get a whole lot more bang for your buck on that one. Yeah, that's great. Will you go into chakras? Will you describe what happens during the process of clearing them? Okay. Well, for those people who are listening who don't know what a chakra is, it is a swirling form of energy. It's one of the ways energy moves. It spirals or it swirls. And we have different centers in the body that have been mapped in lots of different systems. And some systems say there are seven and some say there are eight and some say there are dozens. But they are vortexes of energy that pull energy into your body and move energy out of your body. They also store energetic information. They're like file cabinets. So when people talk about clearing your chakras in various modalities, what they're saying is get the guck out of your file cabinets. If, if I'm bringing energy in and taking it out through this doorway, then I don't want to store all my crap right in the doorway, right? Because if every time you enter a room, you have to go past everything that happened last week and last year and the year before and 10 years before that, it gets hard to come in and go out or for energies to really renew us. And they go from a deep, deep level rooted into our spine and into something called the energetic grid, which is kind of like the the deepest energy. The soul comes in, lays down a grid and builds us up on that. The chakras go very, very deep, but they go out into the world. So they're the part of us that goes from our deepest self to the world through all the guck in the middle, right? All the stuff in the middle, the, the constructed self. So when you can clear chakra energy, you have a greater exchange from source to self to world to self to source. That pathway gets cleared. Those templates of other experiences that are, that are stashed there don't get activated and, and kind of run away with the ship. So I teach in my book how to clear templates from chakras, but I'm just going to show a simple one for clearing the chakra, which is just energy has form and it has fuel. So, you know, we have a body and it gets fueled by our animation, right? In the grossest sense. So the form, the part that forms us, I call the gatekeeper. It's your immune system. It's your physical, energetic, spiritual, emotional immune system. And it keeps the gates of self. It says, this can come in, that has to stay out. I need this, I don't need that. It, you know, it sorts and it keeps you safe and it keeps you in form. You need to be in body or, or I mean, because you can go to spirit, but then you're dead. 
you know, so it's nice to have this body hold its reality in this dimension. Mm-hmm. And then there's this radiance and that's its cosmic partner. It's the animating force and it's the ex- animating expanding force. And that's the spirit. That's, that's that inspiration that comes and transcends form and sometimes melts form. So when we have clogs in the energy, it's really good to use radiance to clear them because radiance will dissolve stuck forms, okay? And often what happens is that what's clogging me is that I have experiences from yesterday and when I was three that that I never cleared away. So you can do something called the divine hookup. And what you're going to do is you're going to take your index fingers, your pointer fingers, and you're going to take your left index finger and plug it into the heart of the divine, however you see that. And it could be the heart of Mother Earth, or it could be the heart of truth. If you you don't have a spiritual belief, whatever is most sacred to you, you plug into that. And it's a little like plugging into a wall socket. You don't have to sit there and visualize the electricity coming to feed your computer, right? Mm -hmm. Once you're plugged in, it flows. So you're plugging into radiance. It's going to just flow right in. And then you can use either your other whole hand or your other index finger to dissolve forms that aren't helpful. You can use this on a tumor, you can use this, but you can use this on a clogged chakra. It's really good on energy forms as well. So you're just going to take it, let's go to the throat chakra because that's easy to show. And I'm just going to plug here with my left hand, I'm plugging into source. And with my right hand, I'm plugging into my throat. And it's just a little hookup and just feel into that for a minute. See what you feel. What I feel and you can even hear it in my voice, is a real release. My voice was getting a little tight because when I get excited, you know, my throat starts to go, (laughs) and it just, it released a little. My voice went a little lower and I felt an opening there. And if I were to do that for five or 10 minutes, I'd feel more and more shifts through all my energy systems. So when that's one good method for clearing chakras, and you can look up online if you don't where, know where chakras are, just go up, up the row one through seven and do a divine hookup. It's a wonderful self-help tool for clearing chakras. Excellent. Tell me this book that you've written and what you're sharing with the world. What are you super excited about regarding your brand new book and sharing this with people? Well, what's really exciting me today about it, because I love this little baby up and down, (laughs) is shifting the conversation to the medical model of what's happening with your chemistry, what's happening, what's wrong, to making it be all about the communication. When we shift the paradigm so that healing and wellness is, is a communication task, not chemical task, It liberates us totally to participate. Mm -hmm. And I was listening to a podcast a couple days ago by a guy named Zach Bush. It was brilliant. It was really cool. And he's he's an endocrinologist who's got like at least three board certifications. Real brilliant man in medicine. And he said right up the front, he said, every illness I've come to believe is a communication issue. It's about disconnection and that when, and all the illnesses are the same. Cancer is not different from this and that. They're all about disconnection. What I'm teaching in my book is a real vital moment by moment way that we can connect into our own construction of self, our own being, not in an abstract way, in a very concrete way. Like, okay, take your hand and put it where it needs to go. You know, very 
very present, very easy, but very direct. And that's what I'm excited about in my book, that it shifts the dialogue to a whole different discussion. And I think it's a discussion we need to have right now because the world is changing so fast. We need to be whole and resilient within ourselves. We need to be strong instruments that can play the music of our own individual soul. Absolutely. And, and with that, do you have a message? Many of the people in my audience are, you know, they're dealing with adversity in all of its forms, whether that's poverty, you know, physical illness, whether it's mental illness, you know, there's a whole variety of people here who are hungering to be more resilient, to be more healthy, to experience that wellness. Any words or guidance or encouragement that you have for them? Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I used to work in the field of child development. There was a lot of literature about resilience and what formed resilience in young children. And one of the things that that researchers found is that if you have one adult that you can bond with, that you can connect with in your life, that's going to form, that's going to help you be way more resilient than kids who didn't have that. So what happens if you become the adult that's there for you? If every day your body knows that you've got her back and you've got her front and you're, or his front and you're there for that body. So when we get caught up in, in the storylines and, you know, some of poverty is real hunger right now. And some of poverty is I'm afraid because I don't have any money in my bank account and I don't have trust that my next door neighbor is going to share dinner with me. You know, so there's different dimensions to suffering and some of the suffering is direct and immediate and some is created by what our minds do with fear. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's still very real suffering, but it's a different dimension of it. When there is somebody on the job right here with me, and it is me, and it's my own self showing up moment by moment to participate in communication, even to console the freaked out infant saying, okay, you're not hungry yet. And we have two hours to go out and beg some food before you get really, really hungry. Don't worry, I'll do something. Then that begins to shift the pattern of what energies we call in and what stories we even participate in. And so what I'm going to just recommend to everyone, and I'm doing it too, is start collecting little moments of miracles, little wonderful things that you read about or hear about that people are doing for each other, and then do some kind acts because that teaches you that, hey, that that wasn't so hard. I did something to help someone else, and that shows me that someone's going to step up and help me. That's great. But do a lot of kind acts for yourself because you're that responsible adult that's going to build the resilience. Mm, Excellent. All right. I always end the show with six questions to help my listeners understand the why within my phenomenal guests. Will you run through these six quick questions with me? Sure. All right. Who are you thankful for today? Well, I'm thankful for you at the moment (laughs) because you're doing a real service to bring different voices to people who need to hear them. So I'm thankful to you right now. Thank you. I'm honored by that. And now that we've covered who you're thankful for today, what are you thankful for today? I am thankful to get to talk about energy medicine because I think it's a whole new way of being that is going to transform humanity, and I love it. And so I get to talk about it as my day job, and it's a really, really wonderful thing. Excellent. And how do you fuel the fire within you? You know what? I let the world fuel me. Nature is full of beautiful fire starters. There's, you know, there's rocks and there's fires and there's tree, there's plants and there's people and there's creatures. I have two beautiful cats. So, and I have beautiful blue on my walls, which I love. Anything that feeds my spirit can fuel me in a moment. 
And so I look around for anything around me that can feed my spirit. And if nothing else, there's the beautiful air, you know, to take a breath in and let that feed me in the moment. And what is one thing adversity has taught you to value? It has taught me that energy and life cycles. So when I'm at my darkest moment, when I'm in a dark night of the soul, if I can just breathe and enter into it, turn off my brain, open my heart, enter into it, I have learned that I will be carried to the other side. Something will come along to to change the pattern because energy cycles. And just as when we're in the dark of the moon, we have nothing to light our way. A couple weeks later, full moon, there we are again. So that's what I've learned from really, really painful times. Wonderful. And what are you doing today you may have never thought you could? Whoa, what am I doing today that I never thought I could? Well, one thing I'm doing differently is just trying not to plan too much ahead, just to take a moment and see what life wants to bring me. So, you know, I don't know that I didn't think I could do that, but I, I wasn't so great at it. So I'm, I'm working. I'm just playing with that. I see. And what will you do tomorrow that you may have never thought you could? I think tomorrow I will reach out to someone that I'm embarrassed to reach out to. That's exciting. I love that. I love that. That's great. How can people learn more about you and your amazing work? Okay. Well, I have a website and it's www.ellenmeredith.com. And my last name is spelled M-E-R-E-D-I-T-H. So I've got a lot of connections there. I also have a YouTube channel energy medicine with Ellen Meredith. I've put up an eight-part free class on energy medicine self-help tools for enhanced immunity, which is great in this time of pandemic to to see things you can do for yourself. You don't have to wait to get the virus or if you have the virus, it helps you heal a lot quicker. So there's a lot of resources on my YouTube channel as well. And then get the book, The Language Your Body Speaks, Self-Healing with Energy Medicine. Mm -hmm. 